Hey everybody, this is Krista Stilwell, Communications Assistant at LFCN. Thanks for listening to the podcast. It's a glimpse into the life of our church. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus who join with God in the remaking of all things. We pray that what you hear is a blessing and helps you join God today. If our church can help you and serve you in any way, please drop us a line at 765-447-7655. Enjoy the sermon. couple of different ways to live life. Primarily two. You can live a life that's full of wisdom and the end result of a life lived according to the path of wisdom is a life where all things, not just your own life, but all things flourish as a result. Because God divinely created the world and kind of set up an order for how life should work, a way, a path of life. And as we live life down that way, we are living a life characterized by wisdom, and the result is life as God has always intended it to be. But then there's another way to live life, and that way is characterized by foolishness. And it's a way totally other than the way God has intended for life to work. It's a way that we often intend for our own lives to work. And as we walk down that path, the end result of the path of foolishness is pain and hardship and destruction. It's the unraveling of the order as God has created it to be. And we started off in our sermon series and our discussion of the book of Proverbs by talking about really general concepts. So what does wisdom look like and how do we live it? How do we give God first position? All of those sorts of things. And we've slowly become, uh, uh, worked our way to more specific sorts of things. So finances of the wise. And today we're going to talk about parenting or the parenting according to wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And I understand that whenever a sermon is preached over specifically a subject like parenting, there are some of you already who are like, well, this isn't for me. Let me pull up an app on my phone to occupy my time for the next X number of minutes. And um, you can do that if you want. I mean, I, I cannot force you to stop doing that. But let me entice you to at least halfway listen. Everybody who's in this room is somebody's son or somebody's daughter. So parenting isn't just a lesson for the parents. Parenting is also a lesson for children. But if that doesn't entice you enough, let me say this. Parenting never stops. So if you were a parent and your children grew up and they actually left your house and they don't sleep in your basement and play video games all day, like if they actually left your house, you might think, I'm done parenting. But you know, you know that's not the case. In fact, what I've heard several parents say is, you know what, it's almost more difficult to be a a parent of an adult child than it is to be a parent of a child child. Because when the child is still under your authority, you can still at least convince yourself that you can make them do some things. 
But when they're an adult and, they, and you see them making decisions that are hard, it hurts in a whole new way. So for those of you who have young children at home, this is especially relevant. For those of you who have grown up children out of your home, this will still be relevant. For those of you who have no kids but you're somebody else's kid, this will be relevant as well. So let me just kind of start off with some ground rules as we talk about parenting. And the first is this. It's hard. It's hard. Can I get an amen? It's hard. It's hard. The second is this. There are different styles. And I'm not here today to talk about which style is right and which style is wrong. Because y'all argue about which style is right and which style is wrong enough. And you don't need to hear it from me. There's attachment, parenting, style, and y'all share the same bed. And then there's, like, parenting style where, like, you, you let the kid cry it out. And then there's, like, the authoritarian parenting style, which is different than the authoritative parenting style. And then there's the detached parenting style, which is no, nobody's here to say which is right and which is wrong, I will tell you that in my house, that sleeping in the same bed thing doesn't fly very well. But in, in your house, maybe it does. And if so, great. The Bible doesn't talk about it. I'm not here to talk about it. We're not here to talk about different styles. We're here to find common ground. And we can start off by talking about this piece of common ground. Before any of us ever became parents we might have thought that we knew what we were getting ourselves into. But we had no clue. We had no idea. There's a comedian. I recently saw this, this two-minute clip. And this, this, this two-minute clip perfectly illustrates how we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Check it out. And there are people in this room who do have children. And there are people in this room who don't have children. <laughs> The people who don't have children, um, they think they know, don't they? They think they know. They know what it means to have children. Sometimes they chat about it, don't they? And they're little couples, you know. Oh, I'd love to start a family one day with you. It'd be lovely. You'd make a really good dad. Oh, I think you'd be an amazing mum. So, wouldn't it be so lovely having little, little, little versions of you and me running around? I'd love to have a family. And you think you know what you're talking about. You have no idea. You have no idea what it's like. You have no idea how difficult, how difficult things will become in your life. Things that you don't even consider to be things will become nearly impossible. But you have children. I'm talking about things like leaving the house, for example. <laughs> this is how people without children leave the house. Shall we leave the house? Yes. This is how I leave the house almost every day. Lucas, Oscar, come downstairs. We're late. Why aren't you downstairs? Put your shoes on. I don't know where my shoes are. Put your shoes on. Go and find your shoes. Where did you see them last? On my feet. After that, get your shoes on. Come here, come here. Arms up, arms up, arms in, arms in, arms up, arms up, arms in. That's my wife. She's so tired. She can't dress herself. <laughs> Sleeping. <laughs> Sleeping at night! This is how people without children. Yeah, most nights, yeah. Good night, darling, good night. 
good night. Sometimes you go, sleep well, and the other one goes, I will. I will. <laughs> how cocky, how arrogant you are. I will, I know I will. Good night, darling. Have a good sleep. Good night. It's been a long time since my wife and I said good night to each other, okay? <laughs> now we just go, good luck. It's so true. It's so true. Whatever style, whether you think you've got the right style figured out or whether you can't figure out what your style is, it doesn't matter. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. There's a really popular TED Talk that was making the rounds about two years ago. It's by um, a professor at Stanford University. Her name is Julie Lithcott-Hames. And she um, came forward with this TED Talk because what she experienced in her classes was something she hadn't experienced before. So she had been a professor for a number of years, and she's a professor at Stanford. And the intelligence level of her students continued to increase. This is Stanford. Stanford is slightly below Purdue on the ranking of schools and colleges in America. Can I get an amen? And so people who get into Stanford are fairly smart. But what she realized is that many of her students, as they were entering into her classes, they were lacking the basic competencies that they needed in order to be an adult. And so she wrote this book, and she gave a TED Talk as a a result of the writing of this book. And the book that she wrote is called How to Raise an Adult. And as she was doing research for this book, she interviewed all kinds of different parents who lived in all sorts of different environments. And she shared some of... Um, her, her, the, the answers to the questions that she asked as a part of her research. And I'd just like to share some of the things that, and this will sound super familiar, but I want to share some of the things that parents are, are sharing about what it's like to be a parent today. So there's a lady by the name of Wilhelmina who's a mom in, in Dallas, Texas, and she had a three-year-old son, and her three-year-old son competed in a speech contest at a local elementary school as a three-year-old. And her three-year-old son competed in this speech contest and won. And she says this. This is Wilhelmina now. Now, it's the second year, and we have a reputation to uphold. No, and when it was his turn to go, my heart was beating. And I thought to myself, what are you doing? She's only four. There is this sense that it's my responsibility to make sure he does well. Four-year-old. Speech contest. So many of you know Sherry and I have a three-year-old, and we, we, we celebrate when he doesn't grunt at us, let alone participate in a speech contest. Or in Menlo Park, California, there was a mom named Melissa. And Melissa says... She said this in the research. She said, my friends use social media as an unyielding platform to brag about their kids' success like it's their own. Tina from Seattle says that she's raising raising children in a culture of fabulousness. And people now are doing PR for their own kids. And then this is my favorite. Nikki, again from Dallas. She said this, quote, I need to put out champion caliber children who are at the top of their field 
making an impact and changing the world in some way. Listen to this language. I am responsible for creating the individual who is capable of that. They are my legacy to the world. Now, the author goes on to identify kind of the subtle shifts in parenting that have occurred and are leading us to believe the following things that the people that she interviewed said are true. And the first shift is this. Parents now find their identity and their essence primarily in their children. Parents find their identity and their essence in their children. And there is this thing happening in our culture where we have started to buy into the idea that our children exist in order to fulfill us and to satisfy our longings. That our children are the ones to whom we should live through and the experiences that our children have should in some way fulfill the hearts of the lives of the parents. And so, as a result, we need our children to do something great, not so that they'll be okay, so that we'll be okay. The problem, though, is that God, the God who forms children in the womb, gives children to parents, not so that children can satisfy us as parents, But God gave his son to us so that his son would satisfy us. So this is the biblical model. The biblical model is the father gave his son Jesus so that through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, we can do the work of Jesus by faith in Christ and by the grace of God, which means if we believe all of that, that our identity And our satisfaction does not lie in the the lives that our children grow up to live. That our children don't exist just to make us happy and to fulfill all of our desires. If If we can believe in Jesus as the one who satisfies, we don't have to burden our children as the ones who carry that responsibility. Our children were given to us not to be our God, not so that we can worship them, so that in hopes they would satisfy our, the longing of our souls. They weren't given to us to be our identity. And when we ask them to bear that responsibility, to be the ones who fulfill us and satisfy us, we are putting a pressure on them that only the God of the universe can carry. Only God can be God. So shift number one is that parents are finding their identity in their children. And we recently watched a video together as a staff, as a pastoral staff, just to kind of learn about things that are happening in culture. And, And there was this illustration that was given by somebody who was talking about parenting that I just found really pretty poignant. And so, um, uh, the psychologist said this, and she, she confessed. She said, you know, I, ra- I, I raised boys. I was the mother of, of two boys. And my boys, she said, were really good at sports. They're quite athletic. And so we wanted to develop that gift. And so we did what everybody else did. 
We got them involved in travel teams and travel sports and, and clinics year-round. And she said, we, for 10 years of our life, we spent every weekend where I would go with one boy and I would spend all Friday night, all day Saturday, and some of the day on Sunday sitting in the stands watching my boy play sports. And my husband would go with our other son and he would go in a different direction and he would spend all of Friday night most of the day on Saturday and parts of Sunday doing the exact same thing for 10 years of our lives. We spent every weekend doing this. And she said, I finally realized after it was all done and I reflected on it, I finally realized what I was training my children to believe what an adult looks like. An adult looks like somebody who has no interests of their own, someone who sits in a stand and watches them for hours at a time do something that they love. And so the psychologist said to herself, she said, you know what, I wonder what it would have been like if I would have said to one of my sons, you know what, I'm pretty good at laundry. I'm pretty good at folding laundry. And you're going to be pretty good at watching me do something that I like. Let's flip roles. Here, you sit in the corner, and all weekend long, You can watch me do something that I enjoy. Now, we all understand that 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 specific example just is is silly. It's a little bit ridiculous. However, the point that was being reinforced is 